But in Christ, you and I are blessed. We are called his kids. And God does not leave or forsake his children, even though sometimes we find ourselves in deep, dark places. Our Bible is full of people who love the Lord, who find themselves in rough spots. But see, I believe that one of the reasons God brings us into the valley of the shadow of death is so that we will learn how to fear no evil. The dark and depressing times of our lives can seem insurmountable. We can feel alone and detached from God and hopelessness can change our perspective. Pastor Daniel today wants to encourage us to cling to the promises of the Bible when we face the valleys in our lives. God promises to always be with us. He will take care of us, comfort us, and bring us through our pain. Our faith will grow as we trust God to do as he has promised. Now here's Pastor Daniel with part two of his message, The Way of Balaam. Now you notice he says, as the Lord speaks to me, but then everything after this becomes, and God said to him. Now the word God in your Bible in Hebrew is the word Elohim, right? Which if you remember... In Genesis chapter 1, in the beginning, God created the heavens and the earth. And so the rabbis make a really big deal out of any time the Spirit is inspired the text where there's plays on the name of God when you're having an interchange between the personal name of God, Yahweh, and the more judicial name or the God of justice name of Elohim. And I wanted to bring that out so that for those of you who like that kind of stuff, you can play theology nerd with it and and check it out. And it's really fun. But it is interesting because you're like, look, I can't do anything until the Lord, the personal God speaks to me, but everything. And then God comes and speaks to him, not the word changes. And rabbis make a really big deal out of it. Now, I don't want to make a super big deal out of it because sometimes I think the making a big deal out of it's a little strained. But it is really fascinating that there is this name change, although they're still talking about the one true and living God. It appeals to different parts of God's nature in the midst of it. So notice he says, God comes. So it goes from Yahweh is going to speak to me and then Elohim comes, so to speak. And he says to Baal, who are these men with you? Now listen, do you think that God didn't know who these guys were? Is anybody like, yeah, well, so God asks because he doesn't know who they are? No. Oftentimes when God speaks to you, God's going to lead with a question. Why? Because God wants to draw us out. Remember when Adam and Eve were hiding from God in the Garden of Eden and God's like, where are you? It's not like the Lord didn't know where they were. He was calling out and drawing. When Judas betrayed Jesus in the garden, he said, Judas, do you betray the son of man with a kiss? I mean, Jesus just a few hours earlier said, man, what you do, go do quickly. But oftentimes God speaks to us by asking us questions. God knows everything, but he wants to draw us out. And so for Balaam, he's like, so who are these dudes? Who's the guys having the sleepover on your property, bro? That's what he's saying. 
And it says in verse 10, And Balaam said to God, Balak, the son of Zippor, king of Moab, is sent to me, saying, Look, a people has come out of Egypt, and they cover the face of the earth. Come now and curse them for me. Perhaps I will be able to overpower them and drive them off. Now in verse 12, And God said to Balaam, You shall not go with them. You shall not curse the people, for they are blessed. Now how cool is that? So God comes and speaks to this prophet, says, Look, those guys, you can't go with them. You can't curse those people. Guess why? I blessed them. They're blessed. Now listen, if you follow Jesus, you put your faith and trust in Jesus, guess what? Same thing's true for you. Same thing's true for you. No weapon fashioned against you will prosper. Not ultimately. Maybe it will seem like it for a season. But listen, God has blessed you if you're in Christ. God has called you beloved and blessed. That is who we are in Jesus. And for many of us, we think that we can be cursed and hurt. Things happen. But in Christ, you and I are blessed. We are called his kids. And God does not leave or forsake his children, even though sometimes we find ourselves in deep, dark places. Our Bible is full of people who love the Lord who find themselves in rough spots. But see, I believe that one of the reasons God brings us into the valley of the shadow of death is so that we will learn how to fear no evil. That sometimes the only way we can bear the fruit that God wants to bear in our life is it has to be wintertime. It has to be cold and dark and challenging. Now, don't get me wrong, a million times I said, God, man, can't we just, can I just grow in an easier way? Like, please? Like, Lord, like, does it have to be this? Like, my own personal Golgotha it has to be that. Like, can I just grow another way? The key for us is to learn how to trust God, to know and live with the reality that we are blessed and his beloved, even when everything's going wrong. That's called what in our Bibles? Walking by faith. Walking by faith is willing to say, the sun is shining, although I'm getting pelted with hail, and it's windy, and I can't see it. For many of us, when the clouds are thick, when it's thundering and lightning and wet, we're like, man, we are forsaken. But remember, if we were just getting an airplane and fly above the cloud line, the sun is shining. And the key for us is to, in the midst of getting wet and being like, Lord, can we you get the light to shine through? But I know the light is already shining. And we live in the midst of the challenges of life knowing that the sun is shining with an expectation that even though I'm soaking wet and this is not what I want, the sun is there and I'm blessed. If you're in Christ, you're blessed. God calls you blessed, beloved. And our job is to learn how to live like that in the midst of the struggles that happen. And so God says, look, Balaam, you can't go with those guys. You can't curse them. I've blessed them. And look at what happens. 
In verse 13, so Balaam rose in the morning and said to the princes of Balak, go back to your land for the Lord has refused to give me permission to go with you. And the princes of Moab rose and went to Balak and said, Balaam refuses to come with us. Now, you got to appreciate Balaam being obedient, right? Every time we see this in the Bible, we talk about it. God says, you can't go. And what does Balaam say? Can't go. And we can applaud his simple obedience. And really, this story should be over, right? But it's not over. But it should be. What was God's answer to the question? It's no. No. And Balaam makes the right decision. But look at what happens. Verse 15. Then Balak again sent princes more numerous and more honorable than they. And they came to Balaam and said to him, Thus says Balak, the son of Zippor, Please let nothing hinder you from coming to me, for I will certainly honor you greatly, and I will do whatever you say to me. Therefore, please come, curse this people for me. Then Balaam answered and said to the servants of Balak, Though Balak were to give me his house full of silver and gold, I could not go beyond the word of the Lord my God to do less or more. Now, therefore, please, you also stay here tonight that I may know what more the Lord will say to me. And God came to Balaam at night and said to him, If the men come to call you, rise and go with them. But only the word which I speak to you, that you shall do. So Balaam rose in the morning, saddled his donkey, and went with the princes of Moab. So you see what goes on. These men get back to Balak and they say he won't come. And so Balak's like, I know what the problem is. I didn't send the right caliber of guys. I sent him my B team. I need to send my A team. I didn't send enough my, I didn't smooth the guy enough. And so he says, I know what I'm going to do. I'm going to send more honorable dudes and we're going to go and we're going to talk to him. And sure enough, these guys come and Balak says, listen, I'm going to honor you. I'm going to bless you. I'm going to make you rich. Come on, man. And it's interesting because Balaam says, though Balak were to give me his house full of silver and gold, I cannot go beyond the word of the Lord my God to do less or more. He's like, look, if Balaam were to give me everything, I couldn't go beyond the word that's given. But notice, now therefore, please let me stay here tonight that I may know what more the Lord will say to me. Now, here's the issue. What was God's answer to this request already? No. But you kind of get the sense that Balaam wants to go, don't you? He wants, he's, he's pressing a little bit. God already said no, clearly and unequivocally. But Balaam goes back again, and now God says yes. But you're going to see what's going to happen. You're going to see, this is a strange story. But I think what I want to say right now, and I don't want to be overly simplistic, but I think sometimes God already tells us no, and we keep pestering God, and God says, okay, if that's what you want, go for it. God allows when we're not willing to receive what God has said, God will give us the fruit of what we really want so that we'll learn. And if you're here tonight and God has already told you no, maybe we should just leave the no's as no's and move on. I think this happens a lot with couples, young, single men and women when they're falling in love. They're really not in love with the person. They're in love with the idea of having a spouse and they push and push and push and everything's saying no, no, no. And God's saying no. And they're saying, but I really want this. And they keep going in front of them and they say, I got the confirmation from the Lord. That's a tough word because what it says is that we need to subordinate our wills to the will of God. Listen, if God's already told you no, 
or if God's word is crystal clear on what he wants, stop asking for a change of heart from God. God's already spoken. Now, I'm not preaching down on anybody. Listen, I struggle as much as the next person to understand what God's will is and how I'm supposed to walk this thing out and all these things. But I think oftentimes we make the mistake of Balaam where God has already said no, but we're not content with the no answer. Now, how many of us have raised kids who we see this play out all the time? Right? And what do you say to your kids when they keep pestering you when you've already told them no? What do you say to them? You say yes, of course, right? No, right? And the issue escalates, right? So you're going to owe me time. You're gonna, I'm going to take away your little toy, whatever, right? But don't we do the same thing with our Heavenly Father? We do the, like, and that's the beauty of it. I love raising kids because I see my beautiful little seven-year-old Maranatha or my 10-year-old Obadiah or even my little one-year-old Annabelle, and I'm just like them. I'm only a grown-up version with a lot of facial hair. It's an amazing thing. Like, I'll tell you a fun story. Notice, you guys know I tell you stories about my kids. And I tell you they're little mess-ups and it's super fun. Don't talk to them about it, though, Okay. So my daughter, Maranatha, you never believe, we just found this out. So Maranatha, we went to a daddy-daughter dance, right? And she wore heels to the daddy-daughter dance. It was super cute. She was adorable. Adorable. She's mine. She's never getting married. She's staying with me, right? Sure enough, she loves these heels so much, she can't walk in them to save her life. God bless her. You know what I mean? Like, I know you gals wearing heels. God bless you. I don't know why you do that for fashion. Your poor pose, squeezed in. Anyway. Squeezed into those shoes. God bless you, ladies. Anyway, back to my story. So Maranatha loves these heels so much, but she can't really walk in them. And every time she walks in them, she gets like a, she needs like 90 Band-Aids on the back of her thing because it's just not good for her. But, and she's not allowed to wear them to school. So you know what she's been doing? She's been hiding them in her backpack. And she goes to school and she gets to school and once we drop her off, she goes and she takes her heeled shoes off. She puts them on. She puts her comfy shoes in the bag. And then when it's time to come home, she changes them again. What a little sinner, right? But she got, like, again, like your sin finds you out, right? So she thinks she's got this thing dialed, you know what I mean? And she's not even a teenager yet. She's seven. Like, we're in for it. You got to pray for us. You know what I mean? But sure enough, it's like she's got this thing all wired until she gets outed by one of her friends. Because one of her friends says, oh, mommy, I want heels like Maranatha. Maranatha was wearing heels at school today. And Lynn's like, excuse me? She's like, oh, yeah, Maranatha, she's got these black shoes with heels. And Lynn's thinking to herself, she doesn't wear her heels to school. She says, Maranatha, are you wearing your heels at school, Maranatha? She looks up, and she confesses the whole thing, the whole plot. She's a little too much like her mom. No. <laughs> But why do I share that? How many of us do the same thing, right? We got the plot. It's all worked out. Nobody knows. It's all dialed in. We got it down. It's so subtly what we want, but what we're not supposed to be doing. And we think that nobody knows. It's never going to come out. Listen, my friends, it's going to come out. It's going to come to the surface. It's just a matter of when and how. God loves us too much to leave our hidden sins hidden because he knows the only way he can deal with it for it to come out into the light. And we can either bring the stuff into the light and say, look, 
God is not finished with me yet. I have this area that I'm struggling in. And you come to a brother and a sister and you share it with them. You say, will you pray with me? Because I don't have it together. And they'll say, yeah, I'd love to pray with you. And guess what? Here's my thing. Because everyone's got something. And everyone's sharing in humility why we believe in Jesus. Because we believe in Jesus because we're flawed. And we know that we're flawed. And when we start believing in Jesus, we never become not flawed. We just begin to own our flaws and say, look, I'm flawed, but God loves me. But listen, for some of you, God's already said no, and you're saying yes. You're pressing and you're pressing when you need to back off. You need to say, God, you said no, and I believe in your wisdom better than my own desires right now. And Balaam makes a mistake here. Because he goes back, God says, okay, you want to go? Go. Go. But you still can't say more than I've told you to say. Now, from here, look what it says in verse 21. So Balaam arose in the morning, saddled his donkey, and went with the princes of Moab. Now, you would think that's not really a big deal. Like, why'd you tell us that? Balaam gets up, he gets on his donkey, and he's going to ride. But you're going to see that this donkey isn't your normal donkey. And every time I say donkey, of course, I think of Shrek. Donkey. Right? But that's just me. Anyway, verse 22. Look at what happens. Then God's anger was aroused because he went. You notice that. Wait, didn't God tell him to go? No, God told him no. But Balaam really wanted to go, so God said, fine, go. But God's upset that he went. Why? Because he had already told him no. Notice. And the angel of the Lord took his stand in the way as in adversary against him and he was riding on his donkey and his two servants were with him now the donkey saw the angel of the lord standing in the way with his drawn sword in his hand and the donkey turned aside out of the way and went into the field so balaam struck the donkey and turned her back into the road verse 24 then the angel of the lord stood in a narrow path between the vineyards with a wall on his side and a wall on that side and when the donkey saw the angel of the lord she pushed herself against the wall and crushed balaam's foot against the wall so he struck her again verse 26 then the angel of the lord went further and stood in a narrow place where there was no way to turn either to the right or to the left. And when the donkey saw the angel of the Lord, she lay down under Balaam. So Balaam's anger was aroused and he struck the donkey with his staff. Then the Lord opened the mouth of the donkey and she said to Balaam, what have I done to you that you have struck me these three times? And Balaam said to the donkey, because you have abused me, I wish there were a sword in my hand for now I would kill you. So the donkey said to Balaam, am I not your donkey on which you have ridden ever since I became yours to this day? Was I ever disposed to you to do this to you? And he said, no. And then the Lord, verse 31, opened Balaam's eyes and he saw the angel of the Lord standing in the way with his sword drawn in his hand. And he bowed his head and fell flat on his face. And the angel of the Lord said to him, why have you struck your donkey these three times? Behold, I have come out to stand against you because your way is perverse before me. The donkey saw me and turned aside from me these three times. If she had not turned aside from me, surely I would have killed you by now and let her live. And Balaam said to the angel of the Lord, I have sinned for I did not know that you stood in the way against me. Now, therefore, if it displeases you, I will turn back. And then the angel of the Lord said to Balaam, Go with the men, 
but only the word that I speak to you, you shall speak. So Balaam went with the princes of Balak. Now, this is kind of nuts, huh? This is a nuts story. Balaam's going, he's on his donkey, right? Unless you're reading the King James and it says he's on his ass. That's what it said. Listen, take it up with Shakespeare, right? You guys didn't expect me to say that in church, did you? Got to read the old Bibles, listen. He's on his donkey, right? And literally, it's an angel of the Lord and the angel's going to kill him and the donkey's protecting him. And what's Balaam doing? He's getting mad at the donkey. He's hitting the donkey. Now listen, just because your circumstances aren't working out, how many of us are, so to speak, hitting our donkey because the circumstances aren't working, but really the reason the circumstances aren't working is because someone's trying to protect you. So you don't think about that. See, Balaam not for one second thinks that the donkey's on his side. He doesn't realize what's going on. And so the donkey turns into the field and he hits the donkey, get back on the road. And he's in this one place and the donkey does this and he hits the donkey. He just, he's just mad at the donkey. And then finally the donkey has nowhere to go. So what does the donkey do? It sits down, right? And then at this point, Balaam is so absolutely mad that he's just, he's hitting the donkey with the staff. And then in verse 28, And the Lord opened the mouth of the donkey. And she said to Balaam, what have I done to you that you have struck me these three times? Now, Balaam doesn't even stop to say, oh, my goodness, the donkey's talking. (laughs) Like, like you would think that if that was you, you'd be like, man, did I just drink too much coffee this morning? Like, the donkey is talking to me. Like, you guys, you guys know the State Farm commercial? Is anyone freaked out that the mime is talking? Freaky. You ever know that one? The little kid. It's like. It's like the donkey and Balaam, he's not even, he's so enraged, he can't even realize that this is absolutely crazy what's going on. And he starts having a debate with the donkey. But listen, sometimes in our anger, we are not thinking straight. So if you're one of those people who get really worked up about stuff, you need to stop and breathe. Because you would think that Balaam would be like, oh my, my donkeys, I've never had a conversation with my donkey before. And the donkey's talking to me and talking logically to me. Like, wouldn't that be like a sign that something's going on? He doesn't even think about it. The donkey's like, dude, what have I done to deserve this, bro? And it's amazing because he says to the donkey, he says, because you have abused me, I wish there was a sword in my hand, for now I would kill you. Now, who's abusing who? Is the donkey really abusing Balaam? No, Balaam's abusing the donkey. Now listen, guess what? This is an important principle. Someone else's sin always looks bad when you do it. See, it's so easy to accuse somebody of doing what you do. I love it when someone's like, oh man, I just can't stand talking to that person. They just talk all the time. And that person's talking all the time. The things that you don't like about other people, it's normally because that's exactly who you really are. But it's easy to see it in someone else than to embrace it and deal with it in our own lives. And that's why Jesus said, look, if you're going to deal with the speck in someone's eye, what should you do? Take the plank out of your own eye. He's saying, look, they got a speck, you got a lumberyard. They got a piece of sawdust, you got a four by eight. Particle board. 
right? You got the whole thing in your eye. They just got a little piece, but you notice their little piece. You should notice your own particle board. Jesus is Today, Pastor Daniel continued following the story of Balaam, his change of heart toward what God had said, and is setting out on a journey not blessed by God. It took a talking donkey to get Balaam's attention, and God can use drastic measures even now to get ours. Walking with Jesus is one of the most amazing, exciting, terrifying, and exhilarating things that we can do in this life. There's always blessings and there's always struggles. So how do we navigate life? A while back, God began to speak to me through the book of Ephesians about living in this messy world as a follower of Jesus. So based on the insights that I got from the text and from my own life, I wrote a book called Honestly, Getting Real About Jesus in Our Messy Lives. In this book, I tackle real life issues and point us to the real Jesus. I'd love to get a copy of that book into your hands. Here's Josh with some more information. Thanks, Pastor Daniel. Throughout the month of July, we'd like to offer all of the Jesus is Real radio listeners a copy of Pastor Daniel's book, Honestly, Getting Real About Jesus and Our Messy Lives. We'll send a free copy of this book as a thank you to anyone who supports Jesus is Real radio with a gift of $25 or more. Check out JesusIsRealRadio.com and click on Partner for more information. Now, here's what's coming up in the next edition of Jesus Is Real Radio. Join us again here on Jesus Is Real Radio when Pastor Daniel continues Balaam's story. Though Balaam ignored God's original answer of no, God keeps communicating with him. Just as he wasn't done working with Balaam, God isn't done working on us. We wish we had more time today, but we will have to pick up where we left off next time as Pastor Daniel continues teaching through this series, Wilderness. That's next time on Jesus Is Real Radio.